it's uh, July is I was tagged tapped on the shoulder to write uh, articles for the Nelson Star little church pastors page thingy um, my first one was on this Friday and I didn't know what to write on and so I feel like God was just kind of throwing me lob just kind of throwing me big softball lobs that I could just easily connect the dots because on Monday there was like a huge storm and then you know affected everybody right so I thought well I guess we'll talk about Jesus calming the storm so that's what I wrote about for this Friday and then now we've got this fire and I was reading in one of the articles for the Nelson Star someone was like yeah like it really kind of makes you think about hell and I was like well okay well we'll see where next Friday is going to go but uh (laughs) God is giving me very obvious big object lessons to work with I mentioned last week that I'm going to be sharing my own heart, soul, mind, and strength discipleship plan over the course of, uh, at the start of each, sort of starting Sunday of each month. And so I'd like to do that this morning. Um, Maybe, yes. Marvin, do you mind just forwarding the slides? There's not too many. I'll I'll let you know when I need the next one. So let's go to the uh, first one here. So here's what I feel like God is personally kind of impressing upon me to focus on in my walk with Christ for the month of July. So in the area of heart, building godly relationships and community, no cell phone for me after dinner. Uh, This is probably the most challenging of the four. Um, Cell phone for me is a huge distraction. There's always something more to read, to think about, to another email to send, text to send. But I also realize that the cell phone uh, makes me, although I'm physically present with my family or, or if I'm meeting with someone or with friends, I'm mentally and spiritually and emotionally not really present and I want to become more present to the people that I'm with and especially my, my wife and children. So I'm challenging myself for July to, I'm going to give my cell phone over to my wife. So if you phone and you have an emergency, you'll get her and she'll vet whether it's an actual emergency and then maybe pass the phone on to me. Soul, just cultivating a, a rich prayer worship life. I'm going to continue to Sabbath on Mondays. I reached a milestone. I've never tracked this before, but since arriving here, I've uh, not worked. I've Sabbathed every Monday. It's about eight Mondays. That's by far the longest I've ever gone. That's very difficult for me for a number of different reasons, but it's been really fruitful and rich, and I want to continue that momentum. Mind, I'm going to be reading two books by Tim Keller that have just come out that I'm very excited about, Preaching and Prayer. Those are two areas that I know I have a lot of room to grow in. And Timothy Keller's been very much a mentor to me in different ways over the last five or six years. So I'm going to be reading through those and also just continuing in my own Bible reading plan. I use a plan called the Grant Horner Bible Reading System. It's kind of, it's supposed to be like 10 chapters a day from all over the Bible. So it's kind of varied and you don't get locked into a particular uh, genre of book. But I just feel like I can't do 10 chapters a day. So I try and do like four or five, but I follow the system. And then strength like tangibly helping and serving and blessing other people. Uh, I just gathered my family around the dinner table and said, let's just bless someone. Let's bless someone in our neighborhood and in our church this month and ask them for ideas. And I got great ideas from the kids. So that's kind of what I'm going to be focused on for July. And hopefully that maybe stirs you to consider maybe putting a plan together for yourself. If you could pray for me, that would be appreciated, especially related to number one. If you talk to my wife, she will tell you that is the most challenging one for me. Um, And so I would definitely cover your prayers. Okay, so over the summer, we're going to be working through some psalms. Uh, The book of Psalms is a collection of about 150 poems that were, most of them set to music. They were used as part of Jewish religious life, religious festivals, worship ceremonies. 
For centuries, the Psalms have provided God's people with sound and vision in walking into and walking with God and and developing a really authentic and powerful walk with God. So we're going to look at eight Psalms this summer. And each of these eight Psalms offer a unique window into the gospel of Jesus. and And they give us some really interesting insights into what the path to human flourishing looks like. That's one of the central themes of the psalm. What does it mean to have the good life? What does it mean to take hold of the good life? What does it mean to genuinely flourish as male and female image bearers of God in this world? And every psalm does that in its own particular way, but I'm going to look at eight that I think are maybe particularly uh, challenging and inspiring for us. The one we're going to look at this morning is Psalm 96. We're not going to look at the whole psalm, just verses 1 to 6. If you have a Bible with you, uh, electronic device, you can find the Psalms. Pretty easy. It's, it's more or less right in the middle of the Bible. And uh, you can kind of flip your Bible open. You maybe have gone a little bit too far to the right. You can go left and you'll find the Psalms. Psalm 96 verses 1 to 6. We also have it on the screen. You can follow along with that. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nation are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. That is, this is God's word. God has a mission. God is seeking to redeem the lost, to save sinners, to heal the broken, to beautify the meager, to bring kingdom hope and justice to a world that is overwhelmed by chaos and corruption. After Jesus' death and resurrection, He commands his disciples, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And that's what Christianity has traditionally called the Great Commission. We've been commissioned by Jesus to go into the whole world and make disciples. But this Great Commission actually has a sequence priority. There's a certain way that it's supposed to happen. Jesus talks about that in Acts 1 verses 8. He says, you will be my witnesses, and witness biblically means people who embody, not just with their mouth, but with their lives, they embody God's love and truth and grace into the places where God sends them, whether it's near or far. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, because that's immediately where they were when he was speaking to them, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here's the modern paraphrase. You will be my witnesses in Nelson, and the Kootenays, and British Columbia, and to the ends of the earth. Near or far, we as the church are called to be, to go into this great commission and be a missionary force, connecting people to the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, and as a result, having their lives transformed and our lives transformed as we get swept up into God's mission into the world. Now, more and more people, if you are kind of reading maybe blogs, listening to podcasts, uh, kind of being aware of the zeitgeist and the Christian subculture, 
There's a lot of talk recently in the last maybe five to eight years of the missional church or living missionally or missional living or missional ministry. And more and more people are adopting this term, this idea of being a missional church to get at this idea and this emphasis that the central marker of what it means to be God's people is to be people in mission. Michael Goheen, who's a missiologist at Trinity Western University, I had the benefit of learning under him in my first year at Redeemer University when he was in Hamilton. He writes the following about what it means to be missional. He says, at its best, when we use the term missional, it describes not a specific activity of the church, but the very essence and identity of the church as it participates in God's mission to the world. So in other words, missions isn't an activity that the church does. It's who the church is. Church is missions. God has a mission to the world that his mission flows through the church. Now for generations, that wasn't always the understanding. Depending on kind of the Christian circles that you grew up in, you might have grown up with an idea that missions was something that a few special people did. You called them missionaries. And they did missions usually over there somewhere. So your idea about missions was informed primarily by the fact that only certain people are called to missions, and missions is what those certain people do to the ends of the earth. When you draft up a church budget, here's our whole budget, but this is the missions part of the budget. So missions was always confined as part of what the church did, not the lens through which we understood what we're all called to do. And that old view of missions Um, While it it led to a lot of good things, I think is slowly being replaced by a more robust, challenging, interesting, and biblical vision. Missiologists like Mike Goheen, biblical scholars, pastors, just um, thoughtful Christians are looking at the text and saying, wait a second, this isn't something for just anybody, this is something for, for, for all of us. This isn't about specific Christians being called into missions, we're all called into missions. Every Christian is called into mission. Some near, some far. Every Christian is gifted for mission. And and because, sorry, because to be a Christian is to be someone who has been saved for mission. You're not just saved from something. That's true. You're saved from the penalty and power of sin. But you're also saved for something. You're saved to be a witness to the glory and goodness and grandeur of God and Nelson, Kootenays, BC, to the ends of the earth. To be a Christian is to move through life on mission. It's, um, it's not, on one level, if you think about it, it's not so much about like doing certain things, it's a certain posture. It's a way of thinking about your world. When you move into your, to your job, when you go to lead worship at a camp, as you go to counsel at that camp, as you go into your vacation, as you step into your home, you are stepping in as a missionary and saying, I'm called to witness to God's love and truth and grace here. Psalm 96 is a missions psalm. That's a theme of the whole psalm is missions. It celebrates who God is, the greatness of what he's done, and how we're called to bring that message to all nations, all people. It casts this amazing good news vision of missions to the world. And we discover three things in it. We discover the foundation of missions, the fuel of missions, and the fruit of missions. The foundation of missions, 
the fuel of missions and the fruit of missions. So let me talk about the first one, the foundation of missions. Verses one to three, I'll read them again. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. In these few verses, a few things come together very, very quickly. Number one, the psalmist loves God. He just wants to sing. He can't help but sing. Number two, he loves people. He wants the goodness of this God, the glory of this God, to connect to all the nations, all people. He's not discriminatory in who he wants this message to go to. But he actually has a message. He has truth. He, has, he says, I want salvation. I want news of this salvation to reach people. I want news of this, uh, of God's glory. I want to share with people the deeds that God has done, the stories in the Hebrew scripture where God, in the face of a rebellious humanity, took a group of slaves, made them a nation, did all these amazing things through them, blessed them so that they would be a blessing to other people. And that is the foundations of all mission. Truth plus love. Truth and love is the foundation of missions. Because when truth and love come together in your heart, you will be compelled to serve and to give and to get involved. Truth and love launch you into mission. When you care about someone, you love them, you you genuinely want what's best for them, and you have a truth that you know could massively help them, it's impossible to live passively. It's actually not, you can't be indifferent. If you have both truth and love, what churns in your guts is, I gotta do something about this because I care for this person or these people, and I have a truth that can make a massive difference in their life. If you have truth without love, right? You, you know the Bible. These, these people who know the Bible, but they, on a very fundamental level, don't really care about people. They've, they haven't been transformed by God's love. They don't really love God. They don't really love other people. You get judgmentalism. You get self-righteousness. We don't want those kind of people going into mission. We don't want those kind of witnesses. So we don't want truth without love, but we also don't want love without truth. If you have love without truth, you care for people, but I don't really know what I'm bringing them to help them in in terms of God's truth. I can't speak clearly and coherently about God's salvation. I wouldn't really know how to even get the conversation started about the gospel. I don't I don't really know enough about the Bible to speak of God's great deeds and his glory in a way that helps connect that to people's everyday lives. I couldn't connect God's truth to these people's lives that I care about in a way that's relevant to them. Then what you'll have is acquiescence to the status quo. And what I mean by that is you're going to have, you're going to make it more comfortable for people to live where they are, but not actually get out of where they are. So you'll bring mercy and, and care and love to people's lives. That's a good thing. But your mission won't have traction. It won't have teeth because there's nothing to move people. There's no truth that moves them from where they are to where they could be if they know God's truth. There won't be any life change, short or long term, in the people's lives that you impact because you're not leading them into God's truth, truth that can set them free as they learn to obey it. 
So the foundation of mission, whether near or far, in Nelson, Kootenays, BC, to the ends of the earth, is when love and truth comes together. When we have that mixture, when that tension of God's love and God's truth collide in our heart, man, you, you are compelled to act. Notice the psalm says, proclaim his salvation day after day. Proclaim his salvation day after day after day after day after day after day after day. Don't stop. Missions isn't something that like you do. Put a few mission days on the calendar. I like to do 10 a year. Here they are. No. The psalmist says you go into mission every day. You don't stop. He's talking about living a life of mission where you are animated by this truth plus love. And that doesn't mean it's always expressing itself in big, massive ways, but it's always expressing itself. You're always bringing truth and love to bear on people's lives around you day after day. But when I was reading that, I was, I tried to, I thought about it from this angle. I was like, oh, I've, I've tried in different phases of my life to live into this vision for missions is all of life. It is exhausting. It is tiring. Living focused on God's glory and bringing love and truth to bear on people's lives that kind of intentionality is tiring. And as I was thinking about that, my mind went to, uh, or I, you know, God caught, caught a hold of my attention and he said, yeah, but look at, look at verse six. Because verse six shows you the fuel of mission. Verse six shows you the thing that if you keep coming back to it, you're going to be able to continue living in mission day after day. And that's important because when you live in mission, it is exhausting. It is discouraging. There are times where you want to give up. Maybe because you don't feel like the fruit is, is emerging that you thought would happen as you were kind of working in this area or, or loving into these people's lives. The fuel of mission, the psalmist says, is God's majesty and his splendor. Verse 6 says, Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. God's beauty and his splendor sustains mission. Living on mission is tough. It is demanding. Going into your high school every day and saying, God, who have you called me to love and serve here? That is hard. That's easy to do if it was just 10 days a year. That's hard to do every day. Going into your workplace and saying, how can I show God's love and truth to the people that God has put around me every day? That's hard to do. So it's critical that we cultivate a life where heart, soul, mind, and strength through prayer, scripture, Christian community, reflection, times of personal prayer and worship, we are beholding God's glory. We're allowing the text, the spirit to animate the text and to say, God, show me your glory. Show me how good and beautiful you are. And as we do, my experience has been God's splendor and majesty. It melts your heart. It kind of reorders your desires and you get refueled for mission. You, you have that grand vision and greatness of who God is. See, some people would think, Doesn't the, isn't the fuel of mission come from seeing the results of mission? That's a terribly dangerous um, thing to plant in your own mind and heart. Because you can be totally faithful, God can be doing something massively important through what you're doing, but you might not see the fruit, and you might walk away from it because your vantage point is too small. So it's very important that you don't make your perceived fruitfulness of, I've been trying to 
love and care and do this. And it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. I guess I should stop. God says, no, you continue to be in mission. You get to take time to take in my glory and my splendor. I'll renew you. Don't look for the fruitfulness of things or your perceived fruitfulness to, to buoy your spirit. That's, that's a dangerous place to put your, um, the source of your encouragement. See, the psalmist is so wise. He's like, you can't sustain mission by sheer willpower. Probably a lot of you know that if you've tried, whether it's on a short-term missions trip or just trying to live intentionally in the places God has placed you. You have to be taking in the splendor of the king. You have to be removing yourself from the din of noise and the white noise of life and saying, God, would you show me your glory? And cultivating that space. That's the fuel that will sustain your mission in the world. That's the fuel that will sustain the mission in the church. That's part of the reason why we gather every Sunday. We're gathering on Sunday to together take in the glory and the grandeur of God so that God fills our tanks. Why? So that we go on our week and say, oh, I've, I've got spiritual warm fuzzies. Thank you, God, for blessing me. See you next Sunday. No, this is a mission equipping time. God pours his spirit and his, his encouragement into your life. He gives you a vision through song, scripture, conversation, so that you're uh, rejuvenated and restored and revitalized to go into the places that God has called you and bring his love and truth to bear. Lastly, this psalm speaks about the fruit of mission. What happens in our lives when we're living into this vision for mission? And the fruit of mission is joy. This entire psalm, we didn't even read the whole thing. You, you can, it's not too long. Psalm 96, like a lot of the psalms, are joyous. They're just jubilant. There's an energy, there's an electricity that comes up from the center of the psalm and explodes out. God is amazing. What he's done is incredible. I just gotta, I gotta get this out to the ends of the earth. It would just feel inappropriate to kind of just live in such a way that it was like, hey, God's great. If you want to find out more, come to church. Thank you. The psalmist is like, I can't, that doesn't, that's incongruent with who God is and what God has done. We gotta take this message everywhere, all the nooks and crannies of creation. We gotta tell people and show people the goodness of God's love. This psalm radiates with joy, which makes sense because you know this for those of you who have stepped into this mindset of mission. When you step into mission, whether it's near or far, again, in ways big or small, I'm not using that term to describe big, massive, for the glory of God projects that you might think in there. I'm talking about just serving God and being faithful and bringing his love and truth to bear on people around you. When you do that and you begin to realize that God is using you to make a massive difference in people's lives and you begin to realize God is at work and you don't even know how it's happening, but you are being swept up into God's mission to this place, to these people, to this situation. That's exciting. Your life, uh, there is a kind of energy and electricity that um, starts to buzz at a low level in your heart and mind all the time. Being in mission electrifies you. You know that. For those of you who have, even in small and imperfect ways, stepped into this vision. You come alive. There are things that are dormant or dead in you that when you step into what God is calling you to do and you begin to live missionally, it's exciting. You're like, oh, I feel, I feel like I'm, in a sense, being uh, born again in a new way. 
The, the, the things are, God is showing me things about himself, about people, about myself. This is all so exciting. It becomes a thing we want to do more and more and more. And that is because you were made for mission. And in Christ, you are being remade and redeemed for mission. Not just saved from the penalty and power of sin, but saved into the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the gospel for the glory of God. In John 20, Jesus says this. He says, as the Father has sent me, I'm also sending you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. God had a mission. Jesus is part of that mission. Now I'm sending you into Nelson and the Kootenays and BC into the ends of the earth. That's important to pause there for a second. Personalize that you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. There are people in Nelson, in the Kootenays, in BC, to the ends of the earth, that, o- that, only you, that only you can touch their lives. You are a, you're a hugely important of God, part of God's mission to the world because there are people in this world that only you, God through you, can touch because of the unique constellation of what God has built into you, your spiritual gifts, your passions, your talents, your abilities, your experiences, your wounds, your victories. There are people that I can uniquely touch in Nelson because of who God has made me. And there's people that only you can uniquely touch in Nelson. So Jesus doesn't say, as the Father sent me, I'm sending Jeff. As the Father sent me, I'm sending the SLT. As the Father sent me, I'm sending only these missionaries. I'm sending all of you. You're all missionaries, some near, some far. The expression of our mission will be different, but the heart behind it will be the same. How am I being called to bring God's love and truth to bear in this situation? If you are bored in your life, if you do not have honestly a lot of happiness or joy in your life, I, I think it would be wise for you to reflect on whether or not that has to do with a lack of mission in your life. Because joy is a fruit of mission. Joy and excitement are the, are the fruit, they're the result of someone who's living for something greater than their own happiness. Joy, happiness, is the result of being caught up in something, a bigger mission, a bigger story than living for your own happiness. Which is kind of ironic, but it's very, very biblical. Jesus in Matthew 16, 25 says, if you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. If you lose your life for me, you will find it. If you try and live for your own happiness, if you try and discover your true self by your own plans and strategies and self-awareness, it'll slip through your fingers. You will lose it. If you lose your life for me, you'll, you'll, find, it, you'll find it all. You'll find it all. Without fail, the most happy, fulfilled, blessed Christians that I know are people who are not pursuing happiness, fulfillment, or blessing. The most fulfilled and happy, blessed Christians that I know are people who are not pursuing happiness, fulfillment, and blessing. What they're doing is they're pursuing mission. They might, not have, they might not be able to articulate it like that, but when you listen to their stories, they're in mission. And the fruit of mission in their life 
is happiness and fulfillment and blessing, but it's a byproduct, it's a fruit. And then other people, and sometimes the dangers, other Christians can look and say, oh, they're so joyous, they're so radiant, they're so exciting. Being around them is electrifying, it's inspiring. I want that, and they chase the fruit, and they're not actually doing the things that get the fruit, which is mission, which is loving God, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and saying, God, how are you calling me to uniquely love my Nelson and Kootenai and BC and global neighbors as myself? Today we have an awesome opportunity to hear from several people who are in mission. Some people are in mission very near. Some people are in mission far away. And as you hear them share about their experiences, I want to encourage you to prayerfully be open to allow God to speak to you and to say, this is where I'm calling you to serve and to help. The first ministry and person that I'd like to highlight is Ron Hominick. Judith introduced kind of a bit of Ron's story here. We sent out a link where, you, uh, where Ron was on 100 Huntley Street where you can hear his amazing testimony and story. Uh, we have a video to show before I call Ron up, but uh, Ron has served with Action International Ministries since 1985, 30 years as an overseas missionary. He is currently the coordinator of Lifehouse Village Center, which is in its fifth year of housing and discipling over 15 children and youth that in the Philippines have been deemed either dysfunctional or have come from homes that uh, have been removed from homes essentially that they can't go back to, um, either facing abuse of some kind or neglect. Uh, Usually the age ranges from 10 to 16. Uh, There's a great video here that highlights Lifehouse Village Center and also a new endeavor that uh, Ron and his team are working on, which is the Tippo Farm. So I'd like to show that video to you now.
Ron, everyone, round of applause. Ron Hominek. Oh, this, is this normal? Oh, figured it out, Marvin. Here's your mic. Ron. How's my voice? <laughs> thanks for being here. Ron gave me a signed copy of his book. Oh, Pastor Perk. But I think you're going to talk about how other people can get their copy of your book. But tell us how we can like just pray for you, encourage you. Thanks for being here. Okay, first of all, this morning, uh, Bill would have been here, but uh, uh, as you know, the, uh, the, the fire is pretty bad out there. The, uh, the girls told him to leave last night, early in the morning, but he wouldn't, so we're, we're okay now. But anyways, uh, I sure could use a drink of water. His water, seriously. You want a drink? Drink, drink. His water, I've never Thanks, tasted Deborah. it before, but it's smoky, it has a smoky taste to it. Um, uh, amen to Blair. I to, to me in, to me out. It's up to you. So <laughs> I like that. I like that. I love the pastor's message, uh, and that tells me that it's the um, the stuff goes in here, and if it doesn't go down here, you got a problem. Uh, but good message. Um, I've been on the road since March 15, uh, and I'll be on the road until December the 12th, and I'll go back and. Uh, the, um, the, the reason I'm on the road uh, is for raising prayer and financial support. Uh, and those, the, the books are at the back there. They're free copies. All you got to do is sign your name and address. And uh, if you want, uh, take that picture. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, if you want, you can, uh, in the back of the picture, is it, as a Canadian address, you can send in uh, 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 money to help, a love gift, or just help to pay for the postage. If you don't, uh, it's tough going. <laughs> but actually, quickly here, the books, uh, they told me they wanted me to have it done, uh, published in, in uh, the States, in Seattle. It only costs 450 to 550 per book, and it was... Uh, the only color I could have in that one would be the cover. I got it done in the Philippines. Uh, somebody shipped them over as well for free, and it cost me $1.75 per book, and it's all color. So it's, good, it's, well, it's good quality, too. Anyway, so, um, <clears throat> yeah, some prayer requests. Um, the, uh, by the way, there's also my display board, and there's... Uh, Angie, our social worker, wrote uh, a, a comprehensive uh, yearly report to those to the people she's under Department of Social Welfare and Development, and that's out there. Uh, the only other piece of literature I have is the the pictures, okay? Uh, and it is hot out there. You think it's hot here? It is much hotter out there. It's humid, and that makes it really tough to work. So pray for the 10 staff members, nine actually, I'm, I'm here. You can pray for the number 10 one too if you want. Uh, but it is really hot and humid, and you lose your patience pretty easily. I know that. Uh, so pray for peace, unity amongst the staff. Uh, and finally, well, uh, you, I think you know it takes money to run an operation like that. But also for Joshua, uh, we have a fund for him. Uh, he, uh, he comes from a just an unbelievable poor family. 
and dysfunctional as well. So, uh, yeah, that's about all I have to say. Can I, can I pray for you? Sure. And then, yeah, well, yep. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for missionaries who are willing to go far, who are willing to go to the ends of the earth to testify to your truth and your love, to your grace, God. I thank you for Ron's story, um, for how it's been challenging me as I've watched the videos and I'm going to be reading this book, God. Um, pray for Joshua, for the funds that he needs. Pray for the funds for Tippo Farm, and for Lifehouse, God. May you bless the work of Ron, your servant, not because he wants to be blessed and to hold that blessing uh, to his own life, but he wants to be blessed so that he can be a blessing to other people. So would you, would you release the blessings of heaven, be it encouragement, prayer, finances, God. Um, we thank you, and I pray that uh, today, God, through the service and connecting with people after, his heart would be encouraged and refreshed during his time in Canada. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. One more thing as I depart. Oh, yeah, do you want to? Okay. Uh, no. Uh, people ask you, where did the name Tipo come from? Where did the name Tipo come from? So it's not Tipo, it's, it's, got a, it's a long E. Tipo. Okay, Tipo. I tell them, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Another overseas missionary who is currently serving on behalf of our community is Blair Coyle. Uh, he is serving with YWAM in Papua New Guinea. We recently received a video update from Blair. Um, it includes a great story of some of the impact that he and his team are having in Papua New Guinea. And so we're gonna share that with you now as well.
We on there? There we go. Carrie is not a long-term overseas missionary, but you're an overseas missionary for some short-term trips recently to Ecuador. How many trips have you been on? Uh, just one. Just one. Okay. Um, a few weeks ago, you mentioned that there's going to be a, a follow-up trip, another trip happening in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, could you maybe just share with people how you decided to get involved in Ecuador th- for that initial trip? Okay. Well, um, I, in all honesty, was quite reluctant to go. Um, Rob had gone a couple years earlier to Tecate, Mexico with Andrea, and he was really impacted, and he said everybody should do a short-term mission trip at least once in their life, so it's your turn. <laughs> so I uh, <laughs> was like, oh, okay. It, it wasn't something I would have jumped into all on my own for sure. So uh, I took our son, Michael, and there was a team of 12 of us from here that went. Okay. So. And how would you say God changed or challenged you because of your involvement in that trip? Um, well, first of all, I think it's just amazing to go to another part of the world and see God working. I think when we stay here, we see God working, but whether we realize it or not, we kind of make God into something small, like we only Mm. feel his impact here. And you don't really realize, you know, you know he's working, but to go to another part of the world with a different culture and see him working, it's just, you just, oh, God is big and God is everywhere. And yeah, that's just really impactful. And then the other thing was... um, which is kind of ironic that I've always thought, you know, my mission field is here at my work, my friends, but what I was really challenged with was how much the church in Tulcan, Ecuador, their focus is their community. Uh, They go out to poor communities and put on programs for the kids, and we got to help them with that. And uh, we did a seminar for them on how we run our youth group because they really wanted to grow in that area. And they did a seminar for us on how they reach their neighbors and their Mm -hmm. friends, and they do small groups in their homes, um, inviting their friends in to tell them about Jesus and model a new way of life. A lot of people in Ecuador are um, Catholic, so like a real traditional Catholic where it's a lot of works-based, guilt-based faith, and Mm -hmm. there's also a lot of alcoholism and drug use, so they really try to influence their sphere of influence close to them. And so for me, that challenged me, like how can I, like I was just really... Uh, inspired and challenged by that, that often here we worry about, yeah, like how, how can I grow deeper in my faith? How can I experience God more? But their focus was, how can we spread this n- good news and this mm. better life of hope to the people around us? So mm. I'm still challenged on how to do that here, but um, so I'm going back to Ecuador and hopefully we'll learn more about how they do that. Yeah, yeah. So if there's, there's, there's going to be a handful of people here we're kind of like, I'm kind of on the fence about the Ecuador thing. I don't know. Maybe they're in the same place that you were mm-hmm. originally. Um, maybe they're not going to have a Rob in their life that are going to make you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. what, what for you, what would you say to that person? The people sitting here were kind of like, I don't know if this is for me. Just the hesitancy. What would you say to yourself a, a year or two ago? Um, well, it's so worth it. Um, the people there were just so warm and welcoming and you could just tell right away that we were like with brothers and sisters and they just made us feel so they like we did some projects for them we helped with some programs and we replaced the ceiling in their sanctuary and but i don't think they cared about that what they were just so blessed that we actually spent our time and resources to come and visit them some of them had never met uh white people before so we were 
got our pictures taken a million times with everybody's babies and <laughs> but <laughs> they were just um teary-eyed and so so blessed that we came and um yeah that was just really heartwarming and amazing so yeah it's so worth it and it's i would say if you're leery about traveling to you know a foreign country or worried about a missions trip this one is very it's safe it's uh the culture is a little bit different but not you don't get major culture shock or anything okay. um yeah. so it's a good step into a good first step into a mm. missions trip i would say it's it's really good yeah, yeah. excellent. let me pray for you okay. and we'll pray for the upcoming ecuador trip too uh, God, thank you for Carrie and for everybody who has been a part of these trips, who have said yes to your call to be a part of the short-term trip of being a missionary, which totally transforms how you see yourself as a missionary locally. Uh, thank you for Carrie and her leadership for this next trip, and God, may you raise up the right people uh, and put all the resources in place for this 2016 trip to thrive and just flourish and to be what you want it to be as we go down there and serve our sister church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Matt, can you come up? Matt Osipchuk. Is it Osipchuk? <laughs> it is? Okay. Around the house, I just call you Matty-O. Yes, you're so right. I'm like, right. Matty-O. Um, Matt, you are what I would describe as a local missionary who's using your talents and skills and training to bring God's love and truth to bear in the lives around you. Can you tell some people, for those who maybe are unaware, I know you've shared before, but just in a snapshot, how are you involved in local missions through your dentistry practice? Um, so as of currently, my practice uh, has a portion of it that is dedicated to um, people who can normally not afford to come into the dental office, and it's called the West, Community, or West Kootenai Community Teeth Clinic which was not my idea for a name. <laughs> but anyways, um, so we're affiliated with the Seniors Coordinating Society, uh, Nelson Cares. So it's been uh, really awesome to um, get involved with those people and just explain to them, uh, you know, why I'm doing it. I, I think I started out here in Nelson just kind of waiting for people to walk in the door that as I was working on them, I just felt the Lord compelled me to, to help them out so that they'd go to the front desk and realize that we were just there helping them and they didn't need to pay for it. Mm. And uh, then over time, I started to realize, wow, that's getting really expensive very quickly. <laughs> and, uh, but it, it, you know, that was actually a part of me not walking in faith well. And I realized mm. that uh, now, every time we seem to give more, the Lord blesses more. And uh, I can with confidence now say that if there's anybody in this room that needs my help, I can provide it for free, no problem, because mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not mine. It's his, and he's dealing with it. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, any of you who know me and half of you come to my practice realize that. And so it's been, uh, mm -hmm. it's been really awesome, and um, I'm feeling very blessed about it. How would you say God has changed or challenged you as you've kind of stepped more and more into that kind of community blessing mission mindset? I think, I think the biggest thing has been, um, well, there's two things. One is that... There's been times when I've, I've kind of pulled back and uh, I've been like, oh, I don't know if I can do, do this, this this week or whatever. And uh, for lack of a better feeling of it, it almost, it's almost like the Lord says, oh, you don't, you don't want the blessing. You don't want the blessing. And so, and then I see that. 
I see it happen to the practice. And then uh, when I step out again and say, okay, I'm just going to just pour out wherever I feel it's going to happen, then the Lord continues to bless the practice. And uh, it's just amazing. So, uh, you know, I'm really, uh, really happy about that. And I guess, uh, secondly, I just, um, I realize the Lord is a God of promises and I read his promises and I call them out like I'm cashing a check. And uh, um, just for those Christians out there who, who read the promises and don't step out, you're missing out. You're missing out. Mm. He's, he's God. He's our God. And he will provide. Mm. One of the certainly themes of Psalm 96 is sing to the Lord a new song. Some people may or may not know that you are a quite a good musician. Can you kind of share with people your heart and vision for an event that kind of you and I were talking about and, and putting on the calendar for July 25th? Can you right. tell us kind of about that? Um, so some of you I've tortured with some yodeling in the past up here. And uh, I, um, I just, I'll be honest with you, my motivation is partly to edify you guys and uh, glorify the Lord. But uh, my parents are going to be here in August and I want to play for them because they've never heard me play before. And so I'm going to put on a concert on a Saturday night, which uh, I know before I came here, that was a big worship night for you guys. So uh, I'm going to string together as many songs as my poor voice can handle. And uh, uh, yeah, we'll do it by donation. And uh, we're going to do something a little different. The further you sit back, the more you have to pay. <laughs> so tickets at the front start at $10,000. I told you they wouldn't go for that. That'll, that'll take care of our building campaign. Our little <laughs> anyway, thing. So, yeah. That'll knock that down pretty quick. So, yeah, that should uh, please Rob very much of the financials. <laughs> yeah, kind of our vision, we kind of thought, like, we'd love to do, like, a give as you're able kind of little fundraiser for our roof, but also maybe split the donations in half and bless some group or someone in the community. So we haven't really landed on what that would look like. Maybe it's going to be one of Matt's clients, um, dentistry clients who are struggling financially, but uh, watch for that. We'll start advertising that uh, next week. That's going to be end of July, probably July 25th or so. Um, can I pray for you, Matt? That's yeah. so encouraging. Um, God, I thank you so much for local missionaries uh, like Matt who are using the skills and talents that you've built into them uh, to serve you, not just through their kind of regular work, but in, in going above and beyond and extending themselves um, and, and risking uh, time, energy, and money to bless uh, those who are struggling, to those who wouldn't have access to just some of these basic health resources. God, would you bless him and his team? Uh, would more professionals, Christian professionals in this community, catch that vision and secretly but intentionally do that same kind of work in and through their vocational calling. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Matt. And lastly, Doug. Doug, do you want to come up? Doug is another local missionary, and I got a chance to sit down with Doug this week and his heart for this community and for helping and for serving, and it was really, really inspiring. So I kind of co-opted him to come up to. I was like, Doug, you got to share on, on Sunday as well. Uh, Doug, can you tell us where you serve within Nelson? Well, I started uh, volunteering back in the late 80s. I volunteered at a, we had a university in this town. And, uh, and. Uh, higher, maybe? No, it's, got to get back here. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, 
We had a university in this town that had slowly debilitated into nothing but a uh, library, and I volunteered there. <clears throat> and I kind of enjoyed that. And it finally folded up and went to another place. Now I'm at a place called the Daily Bread, where you feed uh, local people who can afford to feed themselves, basically. Yeah, and what do you and, do there? What's your role there? I am a head counter. I count all the people who come in to want to eat, and uh, for, for, you know, for the mouths to feed, I count them so they keep the stats for how many, we've, you know, how many people we've fed. Yeah, absolutely. Just so we keep how, the, uh, how things go. Yep. Just how, to, how much we have to, to uh, how much they have to, uh, I'm not part of it, just there. They, how much they need to, to keep it going. Yeah, prepare each day, right? To know a basic yeah. headcount for each day, yeah. For, for resources, yeah. How would you say God has changed or challenged you because of your involvement in our daily bread? Well, I met a lot of people there that are kind of strange to me. Hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I've tried to help them with just little problems they come to with them. And I tried to, to hire them out for them. Hmm. Yeah. And you talked a lot about like just listening to those people, being listening a listening ear, right? And being, being an ear and then to help them with whatever, whatever I've experienced to, to iron out their problems. Yeah, 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 totally. Let me pray for you, Doug. Thank you very hey. much for sharing. God, I thank you for local missionaries like Doug who are serving uh, often behind the scenes way in ways that um, aren't immediately noticeable but are so important, God, that you're building your kingdom through these efforts. I pray you'll bless him, bless our daily bread, bless all the people in our church who, like Doug, are just serving in very quiet, faithful ways, God. May you multiply their efforts for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. The foundation of mission is truth and love. The fuel for mission is God's beauty and splendor. The fruit of mission is joy. Did you know that in Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Jesus went into mission, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Jesus went into mission, enduring the torture of the cross for the joy that was set before him. What was the joy? What was the joy? What would make someone be willing to endure the psychological, emotional, spiritual horror of the crucifixion? A lot of people think it's heaven. Jesus was willing to go through all this stuff because he knew in the resurrection and the ascension he would be He'd be in heaven. But that actually doesn't make any sense because Jesus already had heaven. He gave that up to come. So what was the joy set before Jesus? It wasn't heaven. It was heaven with you. Because you were what we're missing. And Jesus went into mission for you. You were the joy. Eternity with you was the joy that was set before Jesus that allowed him to endure the cross. And that's the reason why you and I go into mission. That is the ultimate expression of God's truth and love. That's the gospel that propels us beyond words, beyond, beyond anything that we can kind of hold on to, but it's, it's the thing that pushes us to proclaim this salvation day after day to all the nations and to all people. Let's pray. God, as we worship you and prepare for this time of communion, May the fact that you went into mission with joy on your heart that was rooted in seeking and saving us, 
may it just fill us with a new kind of thankfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated for a moment. As we prepare for a time of communion, I thought it would be good to end with communion today to be reminded that Jesus saves us into a mission. And before we break bread and eat together downstairs, uh, let's share a meal that Jesus gave us. In um, 1 Corinthians 11, 
Paul writes these words. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray for a moment. Jesus, thank you for going into mission for us. Thank you for seeking and saving us. Thank you for enduring the cross for the joy set before you. Amen. I'd like to now invite the ushers forward and we'll distribute the bread and then we'll wait and then eat together at the end. Take, eat, and be thankful. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your blood, which alone can atone for the sins of those who put their trust in you. We give you thanks. Amen. We'll now distribute the grape juice and we'll drink together at the end. <laughs> 